Welcome to episode 73 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Scott Harrington. Coach Love is not in the building today. And producer Dan Humphrey is with us as well. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This segment of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. Visit www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn about drop-in skills and individual and small group sessions. We want to start by welcoming another live audience tonight. If you have joined us uh, live via Zoom, please sit tight, enjoy the show. We've got a really good show uh, tonight. Uh, if you have any questions uh, or comments, please type those in the chat. If an opportunity presents itself, producer Dan Humphrey will put you on with us. So last week, uh, I was not here, Scott, uh, and you guys did a really, really nice job of, of uh, talking to uh, River Ambrose and Steve Morris from Amherst. Uh, let's start with them. And I've known Steve for a long, long time. And man, the development that he does with high school players is, is at a next level. It's, it's off the radar. It's how good he is with these high school players. Well, he's certainly got a couple kids there that are very high-end players. Um, so if he, I don't know what they look like when they were 12 or 13 or, you know, how he's coached them up, but they definitely have some players there. Not that deep. Um, no, but he gets, he always gets a lot out of those kids, even though he doesn't have a deep lineup. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting and we'll get to it when we talk about their matchup coming up, but they definitely have to play the game a different way because those, they have a couple kids that are on the ice the whole game. Yeah. Um, and then obviously uh, they, they're getting great goaltending from River Ambrose. I was shocked to find out she was a freshman. I mm -hmm. had no idea, um, but she's uh, kept them in some big games. They had a couple great uh, overtime games in the Baron Cup. One went their way, the other didn't, but uh, they were a fun team to watch. I actually got to see them again a little bit this weekend. Yeah, and then uh, Clayton Knapp, uh, you guys spoke to him as well. Uh, yeah, very impressive young man. We When we got off, the first thing me and Lev said, were, hey, he must have had media training or something. <laughs> I don't know if they do that in the null, or maybe it's just natural, but uh, he just did a great job answering all the questions, uh, nice and clean the first time, kind of gave you a nice clean stop to go to the next question and all that. He was real easy to interview, and uh, – just seems like a really good kid and he's having a great year there um, in Austin, Minnesota with the Austin Bruins and the Nall uh, played in their top prospect tournament. One of the two goalies from his division to get picked for that and had a great game and won the game that he was able to start. And he's only an 18 year old. So we could see him playing in the USHL next year. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the next kids from Ohio to get a division one scholarship. Good. Good. That's good to hear. Well, this week we're going to talk about the state playoffs for high school hockey. The district tournaments have already begun uh, going a few weeks now. But as we know, in a lot of ways, the tournament is just getting started with 28 teams still in contention. We will have help for some great writers. Chris Lindstrom of the News Herald, Mark Monroe of the Toledo Blade, and Dave Perpura of This Week News will be joining us. But before we get to those guys, and I'm excited to talk to those guys about where high school hockey has been this year and uh, the state tournament. Uh, what's going on with you, Scott? And Danny, how you been, buddy? Oh, everything's, you know, about the same as usual here. Uh, enjoyed that nice Friday off due to the uh, 
terrible traveling conditions there and um you know monday off today so it's been a nice long weekend um and just you know from the jv side of it just amping up for the jv state tournament this upcoming weekend yeah that's uh that's gonna be held in in gilmore uh, uh and you got a lot of i mean i know you guys play at like nine o'clock in the morning on friday so there's a lot of teams there and it'd be a good tournament yeah he's um last i saw there's 20 teams coming in you know again i said it before if we can figure out a non-sanctioned OHSAA um, JV tournament, how we can have two divisions for there. You know, again, I don't know how they can't figure that out for, you know, division one, division two on the varsity level all the way across, but that's a conversation for another episode because I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Scott, you doing well? Yeah, pretty quiet. Uh, went out for birthday dinners with my, my wife and I were five days apart. So I'm, I had some birthday dinners and didn't get to take in any of the all-star festivities over the weekend, but I know uh, Cleveland was in the national spotlight over the weekend and there were a ton of people downtown. Oh yeah. I just saw some of the news say that Steph Curry, did you see this what he did? I know he scored 50. Well, he, he made a deal under armor through him, made a deal with the Cleveland uh, school district that for every point he scored, it was a thousand dollars. For every three point he made, it was three thousand dollars, and if he was named MVP, it was like ten thousand dollars, something like that. Cleveland, Cleveland um, school district racked up a hundred and some thousand dollars off of him. Kind of, they booed to... the hell out of him. <laughs> so I was you know, kind of takes the fun out of it. Right, right. So, well, and I did see the highlight for me of the All Star Weekend was somebody put on Twitter a picture of a stretch limousine getting towed. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that because there are a lot of those down. What was it? The quote was like, "This is absolutely Cleveland" or something like that. Yeah, rules are rules. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, really enjoyed watching the Olympics. You know, now that they're over, but um, I, I got I really got into curling. I felt bad for the guy I share an office with here at work because we just watch curling all day long, uh, and, and I got into it though. I would love to try that. I know they have it over in Shager, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely try that. That sounds like maybe it's an on-air uh, uh, team building. <laughs> well, didn't they have it at uh, one of the bars on 25th? Platform. Platform. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't but know. That's, if... that's not real curling. It's like the synthetic yeah. ice and you're outside. I'm not going to know the difference. No. Well, do you curl like rocks? Or do you curl like empty kegs, Dan? Um. They're like plastic discs. It was kind of more of a shuffleboard oh, type, uh, you know, looking thing. I mean, you're still curling it down, but you're not getting the full effect. Right. Well, I'm not going to do it if it's not Olympic regulation <laughs> uh, rocks. I, I will tell you, uh, uh, just the, the, I found myself when I was coaching this weekend and I wanted my guys to forecheck and I wanted them to get in there hard and fast. I screamed hard, hard, hard. I feel like I was on the... Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, doing that. I'm like, Oh, whatever. So well, let's see what's in the news of the Ohio hockey digest. John Carroll university won their league tournament, college hockey, mid America at Gilmore ice arena over the weekend. JCU beat Kent state in the quarterfinal, Indiana U of Pennsylvania, four to three in the semis and bested Pitt three to one to take the championship. The Pitt Panthers had not lost a league game all season. The blue streaks head coach, Scott Chantry will join us next week to look back at the big win and look forward to the ACHA Division I National Tournament. Indiana came up big in the T-Show. The Hoosiers won the Tri-States Collegiate Hockey League Tournament, defeating Miami 4-2 in the final. The ACHA Division II Southeast Regional will take place this weekend, February 25th to 27th, at Chiller Dublin. 
Indiana, Miami, Ohio State, and UK all qualified from the Tri-States League, along with the University of Cincinnati. Go to achahockey.org for more information. Finland won the Olympic gold medal in men's hockey for the first time ever, defeating Russia 2-1. to one. Russia refused to pull their goaltender until very late, shades of Tikhanov in Miracle on Ice. USA and Canada were out in the quarterfinals of the men's tournament, while Canada defeated U.S. for the gold in the women's side. World Junior Championship has been rescheduled for late August in Alberta. Uh, the event was canceled in December. They are going to replay that from the beginning. And teams can also tweak their rosters. Uh, so some of the NHL players will likely skip it, like Owen Powers, Jake Sanderson, Shane Wright, who's going to go first overall. They'll be on their way to NHL camps. So they'll probably skip that event. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight. API is easy to use, affordable technology designed specifically for amateur hockey, provides every team an opportunity to benefit from video and analytics. Teams use API app to track events in real time. Event data is used to generate reports and simplify video review. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, elite technology, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more about this tool and a view of a demo video. Welcome back to On Air. I want to remind our live studio audience, if you have any questions or comments, please type those in the chat. And if opportunity presents itself, producer Dan Humphrey will put you on with us. Well, the high school playoffs are shifting into high gear, so we're excited to have some great beat writers who have their fingers on the pulse of high school hockey in the respective parts of the state. Please welcome On Air, Chris Lowstrong of the News Herald, Mark Monroe of the Toledo Blade, and Dave Perpura of This Week News. Welcome, guys. Guys, got to unmute yourself. Good to be here. <laughs> Happy to be here. Good, good, good. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, we'll get talking about your specific areas, uh, about the districts, and then maybe just kind of go about the whole state as well. Um, so I'm going to ask each of you, we'll start with uh, 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 Mark. We'll start with you uh, about what's going on, any stories, highlights uh, up to this point, and what does the district season look like for you in Toledo? Yeah, well, we're down to four teams already here in Toledo. I tell you what, it's, it was 50 degrees out here in uh, Sylvania, here in the Toledo area. I don't, it doesn't feel like hockey, but I know the guys, the players are getting amped up. The coaches are ready. Um, you know what's getting me? I don't know about you guys, but they've suddenly switched this from districts to regionals now. We're, uh, I don't. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to switch from district semifinals to regionals. I, is that's new this year, right, guys? Yeah, this, it's brand new this year. They just re, they, they wanted to name it and stay in a line with the rest of the uh, sports. 
yeah, I, I guess that that makes sense. But it, anyway, it, it, it's it, like I was saying here in uh, Slovenia, they're down to the top four and the top four seeds advanced. Um, everybody's looking at St. Francis de Sales again, Toledo St. Francis de Sales. They're the defending state champs. Number one seed won the Northwest Hockey Conference. They're looking good once again. They, they got 15 seniors. They had senior night the other night. I don't know about you guys, but they had 15 seniors. So it delayed the game for like, I don't know, 40 minutes, you know, them coming out with their parents. I don't think I've ever seen a 15 seniors, but, and they've got, they're, they're just experienced, obviously making that run last year. Um, they have a pretty tough draw with Northview. I think uh, Northview is one of the other teams that have really dominated this district. It's either been St. Francis or Northview the last 12 years. Northview actually beat St. Francis earlier this year, um, handed St. Francis their only loss here locally. So St. Francis isn't looking past that. And then in the other uh, regional semifinal, we have um, Bowling Green, uh, former powerhouse back in the day, back in the 90s, that uh, they actually uh, had fallen so far that they lost their program for a year. So it's great to see BG back up there among the elite teams to they have a chance to advance out of the district. They play Finley, um, another team that uh, has been a kind of just on the cusp of making it back down to Columbus. And uh, it, that should be a, a real good game there. Um, I think Finley won two of those two, ma uh, three matchups. Uh, they both played at this Winterfest event in Toledo, which was outdoors. Really cool event for those those kids to play down at the Mud End Stadium. But I just in talking to all the coaches, this is what it's all about. You know, they put all the time in and uh, they're all they're all geared up. Should be some great games here in this region. So uh, let's I just throw real quick because I know Tanner Dickinson from or Dickinson from Perrysburg made the U.S. World Junior roster. Um, can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, and then, you know, there's a there's a lot of questions we have about your region uh, when it comes to those four teams. But let's start with uh, Tanner. You know, what, 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 did, what's going on in, in the pseudo area uh, with the buzz going around about him? Yeah, there's a lot of good, good things uh, uh, going on, um, you know, with him. And then yet uh, at the Olympics, going back to that, Pat Nagel played here down, down for the walleye, um, represented um, Team USA. He was a goalie there. And then uh, Ben Schoen, who's a freshman at Penn State's doing some great things. So, Beyond that, I don't know how much you want to get into the ECHL and all that, but yeah, there's, I think right now, Northwest Ohio is, ex is experiencing the best crop of, of young players that are, are moving up and uh, it's been fun to do. And then the walleye here locally in the ECHL are off to another great start. Uh, they're making a push towards the playoffs and uh, yeah, hockey's big around here, guys. I mean, just like it is in, in the Cleveland area. I know they've, you get 8,000 people down there for the walleye games at the Huntington center. And then with these uh, regional high school regionals, the place is always packed. So hockey's never been more popular here. Uh, I will say um, at the high school level, we're actually down to 10 teams here. I, and you guys have far more teams. Um, it used to be 15 just in 2011, I was looking back and uh, there's been quite a drop off in participation. I don't know what that's you know all about, but uh it's still at the, the top four teams. It's really high level of hockey. And it, again, it should be fun to watch. Yeah. And we'll get into that, uh, how each district has a, a, a not equal number of teams in it. And, and I want to, you know, make sure that we all can talk about that. Chris, uh, it was Baron Cup Sunday last week. Uh, how many Baron Cup Sundays does this make for you? 
And it's, uh, well, it's 22 years for me overall, and I think I've had a team on virtually every Baron Cup Sunday, so it's probably at least 20 or 21. I think there's maybe one or two years I haven't had at least one team make it down there. But yeah, it's been quite a few at this point. Before we get into the Kent District, um, can you talk to us and our listeners about your recent story on the issues of league alignment uh, versus independent teams? Man, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I just, I don't understand what we're doing here. Right? And that was basically the gist of my column, which is, so we've got, we got the GLHL, and obviously that started off as eight teams, and now we're down one to six, uh, you know, between, you know, Piggy uh, going independent, uh, Ed's going independent, obviously, uh, and Lake going dormant, you know, Lake Catholic dormant, us. I just don't know what we're what we're doing now. I mean, it's is GLHL going to stick with six and try to stand pat with that? Are they going to try to reach into the GCHSHL red and bring some teams up against them? We're looking at Shaker a couple of years ago. It's a necessity of that. I, I just I'm I, I don't understand what we're doing long term, and I think we need to figure that out uh, before it's too late. I personally I I personally believe at this point. It would be better if there was just one great Cleveland league. That's my personal opinion. I'm sure others disagree with that, but that's how I feel about it. All right. Yeah. And, and it was an interesting read. And, and I wanted to make sure that, that, you know, our listeners heard, heard what, you know, you were writing about and, and um, we're going to get to the Kent district in a minute, Dave, uh, how many sports do you cover in all? Oh boy, I, I, I'm losing count uh, down here. I mean, hockey certainly is a big one for me because I cover Upper Arlington and New Albany, uh, two of the better teams down here in recent years. I do want to throw in and did get to 63 degrees today. I probably look I just like I just got off the golf course down here. I was not that lucky, but uh, just I guess we're south of the Mason-Dixon line or whatever. It felt like spring down here, but uh, but it's been a lot of fun down here so far this year. Um, Upper Arlington kind of having the year that we thought, or at least that I thought. Uh, they might have coming off a state birth a year ago. Um, and there have been a few upsets. And, and you know, guess, guess we'll definitely talk about those in a minute. But uh, as far as what I cover, it's it's just a little bit of everything. And I'll be up in the north this week for uh, swimming. That's one of my other big beats. And then I get to watch a lot more hockey Sunday when I get back from Canton and, and uh, next weekend for the district final, whoever that happens to be. So a lot of conversations that we're going to talk about, uh, all of us here, is going to be about the format, obviously, of uh, the districts or now that they're called regionals. Um, I'll, I'll ask you guys can weigh in at any point at this time. What what Ohio High School Athletic Association sport do you guys think has the best postseason format? Dave, I'll start with you if you want to start with that. That's a great question. I mean, I, I've always liked that that you have to earn your way in in football. Of course, that's the only place that you. I, I mean, although you look at Division One, just about everybody gets in nowadays. I mean, I, I like the way that they do it because you have a certain number of points. I, there is something to be said for everybody getting in in all the other sports. Now, I get why. Um, sometimes it leads to some very ugly early round results. I mean, we see that in basketball you know, last week with the girls, and I'm certain we're going to see a lot of that with the boys. We saw some ugly hockey scores this weekend, but uh, there's something to be said for these Cinderella runs. That, uh, that can happen when everybody gets in, even if you have an average regular season, say such as, I, I don't know that New Albany had an average season a couple of years ago, but they certainly had a good one and then pulled off some upsets uh, and get all, got all the way to the state tournament that unfortunately ultimately wasn't played. Mark, you want to weigh in? Chris? Yeah, I would say uh, 
I guess wrestling comes to mind with the three different different divisions. You don't want a, a kid from a small school uh, facing off against a kid from St. Ed's. I think uh, they've got that figured out. I mean, hockey could almost follow that format. Uh, you t- Somebody mentioned the JV. You could have a – I know we've talked uh, about this two-division idea, and it really hasn't gotten many legs for hockey, but it seems like every other sport really hasn't broken down the right way as far as separating – the competition levels it's just simply sometimes a numbers issue you know and uh certainly with wrestling um you have the three different divisions and i think that works out well where you're and the weight classes too obviously where it's equal you're just looking for equal footing equal competition i think so uh let's start looking at this year's tournament um i have some of the good and the bad here so we'll start with there actually are some good games uh, in the first couple rounds, especially in the play-in. I don't know what they call it. Is that a sectional? I know we're calling it regionals now instead of districts. I, I never knew what a sectional was, but uh, it's a couch. Yeah, right. <laughs> so in the first round where you have a 16 versus 17 or something like that, we had some good scores. Um, Benedictine 3-1 over Olmstead Falls, Westlake and Lakewood. That was 5-3, to three, you know, two town a couple towns over from each other parma beat avon lake in overtime uh cleveland heights and chagrin falls uh the heights won in overtime talawanda over gahana lincoln one to nothing uh worthington beat beaver creek three to two um but because those are are the way the bracket is set up those teams are probably going to get thrashed in their next game or already have been possibly um so uh, earlier before we came on, Sully asked me, what about the, the round of 16 in Brooklyn? What was the aggregate score from over the, over the weekend? And just in Brooklyn, it was 61 to seven was the aggregate score. These are some of the scores from the first two rounds going across the state, 11 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 11 to one, 10 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 11 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 11 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 10 to nothing, nine to nothing, 11 to one. 10 to nothing and 10 to nothing. So the question of course, is why are we bothering to play these games? And I will, I'll, I'll plug. So before you respond, I, we did, I did a story on and put out a suggestion for a 16 team tournament. I put that up at the top of the newsfeed on Ohio hockey digest. If anybody's interested in going to look at that again, but what's the point? And I, I don't really understand why some of the blue division teams even enter the tournament yeah two of those lopsided scores were up here go ahead chris no i'm sorry i was just gonna say that you know just as an example i'll I'll give you two of my coverage teams i had gilmore playing me (laughs) now for people who don't quite understand gilmore has uh three frozen four births to their credit or finalists in the cleveland cup I believe uh, we're in late right now. Good stage. Mayfield broke a two-year losing skid this year, and I love Mayfield. I love Steve. I love the kids over there. Happened to be at that game where they broke that streak. So happy for them to be able to, to get that done, kind of get that proverbial money off the back. But what is the point of having? that kind of disparity in the tournament. A couple of years ago, uh, we had men are playing Brush. I mean, Brush, 
bless their hearts, and I and I wish they were still around, and I hope they come back from their dormancy. But with in recent years, Rush was getting kids out of the hallway and teaching them how to skate and how to play hockey. Why are we playing these games? Why don't we have multiple divisions? Why don't we? If they don't want to have multiple divisions, at the very least, come up with a different structure to the tournament where you're having more competitive games early, and then whoever emerges from those playing games have that team then play in, in the track. But why do it this way? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I guess the other way to go, uh, if you don't want to let everybody in, would be similar to football and have, you know, 48 teams or, or something like that. So you have to qualify, qualify in the other teams that don't make it can go play in one of those pod tournaments or something like that. But some of those games that were that were close – wouldn't it be great if those were a district semifinal or final in a division two tournament or a division three tournament? That would, those would have been great games. Absolutely. Definitely. There's a couple teams in this area that have really built programs. Perrysburg and Anthony Wayne are the two schools that come to mind that would really benefit from being in a, in a second tier uh, division. They've really built the program where they've got good participation. The numbers are good, but then they get to this, this round and uh, they, they get, beat badly by superior teams. And uh, that's got to be discouraging to a, a kid that, you know, wants to make a postseason run, like some competitive hockey. And I think it seems simple to me that some of the plans that have been suggested that it just seems like there's been a lot of good thought put into this. And I would love to see it implemented at some point. It would benefit a lot of players across the state. I think I, I I've, I've said this and I said this to commissioner Root when he was on with us that, you know, one of one of the, the roadblocks there is, is that we don't have enough teams in the state to get the second division. Right. So we've heard that and heard that and heard that. But if you want to grow the game, we have to give kids an opportunity to compete for something. Right. And if if they can compete a division two level and a division one level, we'll see the game grow. I, I'm, I can almost guarantee that. But I mean, you know, some of these some of these schools. Well, we talked with, there's a, that uh, tournament down South, right? Yeah. The pod tournament, the pod tournament, post Ohio district, I think. Is what okay. That stands for. We'll have and to change it to post Ohio regional now. I, I, and I was speaking to uh, uh, somebody this weekend about it. Uh, if Ohio high school athletic association teams just say, forget your tournament, Ohio high school athletic association, that doesn't, that's not going to look good for them. That member schools are pulling out because they're not being offered something that they can compete in. And sooner or later, it's, it's going to not look good for the Ohio High School Athletic Association. We got to fix this. We got to fix it sooner than later. And it, I, it's funny because we all, coaches, ADs, sports reporters, fans, we all band together. And the Ohio High School Athletic Association has heard us all, but they don't do anything about it. Nothing. So my, my fear is that these teams – like, Mark, you have 10 teams in your district, right? And we'll talk about your district here in a minute. But you've got 10 teams in your district. I mean, you guys used to have more than 10? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 15. 15, like I said. And, those, and then there's a couple others that have had to revert to club teams. Right. Um, so. Yeah. And, and the, way to get the, the way to get those numbers back up is to give kids an opportunity to play for something. Listen, I, I, I don't really care. I mean, my, my neighbor – won a division three or four football championship one year and it was a state championship. I don't care what it says next to it. Right. It's a state championship. 
So why, why can't we give kids the opportunity to do that at any level? Yeah, I was watching a, a Talawanda Beaver Creek game that was on being uh, live streamed on YouTube. And there were kids hanging over the glass. It was, you know, this was just Great. a regular season game. Full, full rink. Kids were going crazy. Players are jumping up against the glass, you know. And can you imagine if they had a chance to play down in Columbus yep. or somewhere else, wherever, uh, for a state final four situation? They'd, they'd, be, they'd be losing their minds. It would be awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get into the, uh, the one more question. Yep. Since we're, we're pointing out everything that's wrong, <laughs> we did have one question from a listener uh, at Perino Ryan asked on Twitter, uh, why don't we have a segment about uh, why we continue to have two refs for playoff hockey, uh, three refs all season, and when it matters, we go down to two. So they're brought, three refs are brought back in into the district semifinals. Okay, interesting. And all then right. the regional final, or whatever they're calling it now the regional semis and the regional finals. I asked the same question at our game. I said only two refs. And they're like, for the first two rounds, only two refs. So ask, we should ask why that is. Do they, they obviously know they're not going to be competitive games or why do they think they I don't know. need two refs? I don't know. That's Clearly they they see a distinction between the last two rounds and the first two rounds. Is that how it is in, in all your guys' uh, districts as well? Yes. It yeah. definitely was here, and and I saw it affect the game between uh, St. John's and Bowling Green, where there was a couple of obvious penalties that were missed. There were some offsides and uh, some icing that was missed, and uh, I don't know what the reason is why they go to two, but yes, they do. From what I remember, they've always had three, at least when you get to their semifinals and finals. So that was a I'm not sure what game, the reason right? is, but yes, definitely affected the the game the game here. And that was a three to two game, right? Yes. All right. So let's go through the, the, the specific uh, districts here. I'm going to, I'm going to cut my mic when you talk about the Brooklyn district, since I'm involved okay, in the Brooklyn district. So, so I'm going to put, I'm going to put myself silent. Yeah. So Scott, why don't you go take that? We've got that room where we can't hear what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so James, well, first of all, James Brady from the Chronicle Telegram was going to join us. He wasn't able to, I believe he's in Florida for a wedding. So I don't know why he was even trying to join us, but uh, so I'm going to try to cover the Brooklyn district. I think I've seen enough of these teams play this year. Um, St. Ignatius and St. Edward ranked one and two in the state, and they are the one and two seeds uh, here in the, in the, for the Brooklyn uh, regional uh, St. Ignatius will play Normandy next. Uh, they played Holy name in the first round. That was, uh, they beat, them seven to two. Now they're playing the 12th seed Normandy next. So that one might get ugly. Um, and then they will play uh, the Benedictine Amherst winner following that. So I've ironically, they're the number one team in the state. I saw them play once this year. They lost. Uh, I saw Gilmore beat them uh, at Brooklyn at one of their tournaments. Um, Mark, I don't know. I know they were up in Toledo a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you got a chance to see that game. They played St. Francis. Yes, I did. Um, I'm sorry, you were talking about uh, Saint uh, Ignatius. Ignatius. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a, a darn good game. In fact, uh, Saint Francis scored the first two goals, and uh, then gave up the last four. But um, you know that that could potentially be another game. It wouldn't happen unless both teams reach the state finals, and we'll see. Maybe it will happen. But yeah, it was uh, in the atmosphere. Um, I don't know, it, it's uh, Tam O'Shanner's the rink here in Sylvania. And uh, it, was, it was great. Even uh, the coach uh, said that it felt like a football atmosphere there. And uh, 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that's that's what we're getting back to what we're talking to about the atmosphere and the student sections and just creating the atmosphere that seems to be there in every other sport. I mean, um, so yeah, it's it. um, whoever comes out of the Sylvania district, uh, I think is going to be a handful or, uh, you know, I think they meet the Columbus district there then in the state semifinal. So. Okay. Uh, we have Benedictine and Amherst. That's a five, six seed uh, coming up in the next, the next round, a uh, good red division matchup there. They've already played four times this season. Uh, Amherst is two, one, and one, and won the two most recent meetings, uh, in January. Uh, I said, I saw Amherst play a couple times, uh, over the weekend, they're playing well, um, a couple overtime games they had in the, the Baron cup. They have two forwards, uh, Kramer and Sierra who play virtually the entire game, which is really something to watch. <laughs> um, and a couple defensemen as well. And then obviously, um, they have a freshman goaltender, River Ambrose, who was on the podcast last week and is is playing really well. Um, when we talk about the difference between the elite teams and somebody like Amherst, who's a you know a solid red division team, it's I think pace of play is a big part of it. Like they, with those kids being on the ice as much as they are, they definitely pace themselves. And they, they're not zipping up and down the ice the whole time. I actually went from Amherst, uh, uh, Benedict Amherst, I'm sorry, Amherst Hudson, which was a really good game. And then I went to see Gilmore and Ed's in the Cleveland cup an hour later. And it's just not the same It the pace. It was, that game was up and down the ice like crazy. And there's no way those kids could play at that pace for 45 minutes. So that's really when you start to, to notice the difference there. Um, Ed's you're going to play uh, Parma next. Um, Eagles are back-to-back -back. Cleveland cup champs will likely face Padua river on Saturday. Um, Parma, as we mentioned, beat Avon Lake in overtime. Uh, Coach Cadino has been on the podcast. I know you're friendly with him. So take it easy on him uh, in the next game. I'm not supposed to be able to hear you. So, <laughs> uh, Padua Rocky River, that's going to be a good one. I think that's Wednesday. Uh, three, four seeds meeting uh, in this round. Padua has been down for a while, and they're back up. They were really going great guns at the beginning of the season, scoring a ton of goals. And then all of a sudden, the goals dried up, and they had a, they went, they kind of limped into the Cleveland Cup. Um, but then they gave Eds a good game in the Cleveland cup quarterfinals, I believe the Eagles scored at 28 seconds left to force overtime and then won it in overtime. Um, and they had scored five goals their, their game before that. So they kind of woken up out of their offensive slumber there. And then they have a goaltender, Aiden Knox, who can, who can steal a game as well. So that'll be a good uh, matchup against Rocky river. Um, also the pirates have a good goaltender. I got to give a shout out to Nico Rose. Cause he always retweets me on Twitter. Um, and then probably we'll see St. Edward against, uh, the winner of that game on Saturday. I do want to say that, uh, you, you mentioned Padua almost upset St. Ed's. It, it wouldn't have been an upset. Padua's on, they are on the rise. They're doing the right things right now. So, um, they, they've got it. Perry's got it, got them in the right, in the right direction. Yeah. They started off the season hot and we were kind of thinking, okay, is this going to keep going or are they going to fall off? And like I said, they did have a little bit of a dip there in the second half, but they definitely, uh, are ramping back up for the postseason, so uh, I'm going to try to get over there to see see him play Rocky River on Wednesday. 
Mark, Sylvania. Um, let's talk about the St. Francis uh, Northview matchup. Obviously, St. Francis defending state champs. Um, have you spoke to Coach Varga uh, after his game with Ignatius? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he he thought it was a perfect preparation. Good, good to see what they needed to work on there. I think uh, special teams stood out in that game. It was lots of parade to the penalty box in the in that one, and because it was a pretty physical game. And uh, I think uh, they want they the most important thing is working on that PK. But this team, again, has the experience. Um, Got a senior goalie, Jackson Smalley, who led him to the state title last year. So, you know, you guys all know what goaltending can mean for that. Yeah, I got to, to have that I got experience of making the run. Firsthand. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he actually didn't play in that game. Uh, he had, I guess he played a bunch in a row. Um, so we'll, we'll see what, again, but they have to get past Northview first. And like I said, Northview already beat St. Francis this, this year. It was, uh, one to nothing and St. Francis did beat Northview three to one, but I think they Northview really, um, they're the number four seed and the record isn't, you'll look at it and see 13, 18 and three is what the record is. But I, th- I don't think that really reflects the type of team they are because they go out and play a really difficult schedule. Uh, if you look at the teams they play, you'd recognize most of them. So I would say talking to their, their coach, they're battle tested. They're ready to go. Steve Elliott thinks that their goaltending and defense will, We'll keep them in it. They've got a goalie that's been around too, Austin Nowak. Again, hot goalie there. And the Benny Seals is their top offensive guy. I think they could they could make it tight, take it to the third period. And if it's a one goal game, uh, but I just looking at St. Francis, it's just uh again, they have offense and uh but really what Coach Varga really has liked is his defense and his uh again Jackson Smalley and uh so we'll see what happens in that one. The other one's intriguing too. I think the uh, Bowling Green, I mentioned, uh, they're the number two seed and Finley is the third seed. Now they could, they could easily flip flop those seeds. They've both been ranked in the, in the state poll uh, towards the bottom. BG was in at one point, Finley was in, and they've kind of moved in and out, but I think that's another good matchup. Um, BG has got a lot of experience. They're fast, a lot of offense. Uh, Finley on the other hand is more defense and uh, talking to their coach. You know, he thinks that they've got a hardworking group is what he says. And, and the goalkeeping should should be good uh, there. Armstrong is the name of their goalie. And uh, Sudlow for BG is a goaltender. I think maybe I guess as I'm talking here, what stands out maybe in this district is the goaltending. Uh, I think uh, all four teams have strong goalies. And uh, I could really see any of these four uh, coming out of this district and uh, – I'm excited to, to see how it all, all works out. Well, I think one of the uh, crazy stats that I'm, I'm reading here uh, that with two of the teams in your district, Northview, in the 2021 portion of their schedule, they went 2 12 and 2. We flipped the calendar to 2022. They went 12 4 and 2 with wins over Ignatius University School and St. Francis. All by shutouts. All by shutouts, right? Yep. Then you go to the, the Finley group. Since losing their first game at the Padua tournament, we all know the Padua tournament is a loaded tournament uh, to Upper Arlington on December 18th. They are 15-2-2. and two. I guess you so, call that uh, streaky or? Wow, I mean, <laughs> that's impressive. You know, oh, so- yeah, he, he, Coach Elliott said that something clicked for his kids after the turn of the calendar year. He said something got into him and they're rolling. Now he said there was a little bit of drop-off, but you just said the record there. I think uh, 
they're playing as well as as anybody. And uh, that's just sometimes the light just goes on for the guys. They pick up the systems or whatever, and they start rolling. So, again, I know that St. Francis and the coaching staff there are really concerned about uh, playing them. It's going to be uh, – that that's going to be a great matchup, I think. And when, when are those games again? Um, I think the St. Francis and uh, Northview is on Friday and BG Finley on Saturday. They are different days. So, uh, and then the following week, it's Friday is the, uh, I keep calling it district. I, I yeah. will not stop that. Regional, right. the regionals. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think all the coaches believe that they've put together schedules that prepare them well for uh, this point in the season. So let's uh, go over to the Kent Regional, which is in Kent this year. Uh, they had to play both brackets over in Brooklyn. So I don't know if that makes your commute down there easier, uh, Chris. But um, we've got Gilmore and Solon coming up. Uh, Gilmore is 12-2 and two since January 15th. The two losses coming to St. Edward. Uh, and they played in the Cleveland Cup Final for the third straight year and fourth time in five years. Yeah, uh, and, and you know how it is with uh, John's teams that he's always the first to say it. They're not going to be a team that's going to go light the lamp for five or six goals a game. They're zone oriented, goaltending, physical, uh, with defensemen, solid on special teams. Uh, they're going to grind you out. That's the way job. Really pleased with the way they're playing here in the second half. John talked about it about a to go big moves, uh, moving Chayhoff from forward to the blue line, uh, go with a veteran guy such as so, uh, Gilmore. Goaltending is uh, very solid. Well, Anderson, Underwood, they're both very capable. And the, the scoring is balanced this year. Uh, they have some different guys who stepped up and scored goals at opportune times, but just a very solid overall hockey team. And again, just a grinder of a team that's uh, a tough matchup for the season. Hey, uh, uh, Chris, uh, since we do this live, you're kind of going in and out with your internet. We're going to go to the Columbus district. If you can log in and log back out, uh, see if we can get a better connection, and then we'll get, yeah, that's cool. we'll get, we'll get to you in a minute. So let's get to Dave uh, Papura uh, with the Columbus district. Uh, you've got some really good games coming up. Um, you know, this – to me, as I watch the scores uh, through Twitter or whatever it may be, there's a lot of parity down there. There's a lot of stuff going on down in Columbus right now. So let's start with yeah. the Liberty and, and, and uh, Dublin Kaufman game. Well, and I, I will say this. I'm going to thank Mark because I crossed out district about three times on my notes and now put regional. So I'm going to say right? it the right way, right. hopefully. Uh, it's It's been interesting. You mentioned this. I, I'm looking at the, uh, at the list of, of notes I've made here, the seeds that are left. One, two, three, four, seven, eight, and then you have the nine and the twelve seeds playing each other uh, coming up on uh, on Saturday. Liberty and Kaufman's an interesting one. They've only played once uh, this year. Uh, that was a four-two Liberty win back at the end of January. Actually, it was on a Monday afternoon. And I think that was because of a weather issue. Uh, those are two teams that only play occasionally because they're in different divisions of the Capital Hockey Conference. They have done what you guys were referring to earlier, and you have the top-tier teams in one division, and the middle tier, and then the uh, and then the lesser tier. You know, speaking of parity. So yeah, I mean that that what I I would expect would be a pretty interesting one. I mean, you're looking at. Uh, Liberty Gage Slaughterbeck, I know, is a, is a name that is familiar with this. He has 32 goals. You have a defenseman who has 12 goals and solely plants. And I, I hope I'm 
pronouncing his name correctly. And then you have a couple freshmen for the Patriots who are on the same line of forwards. And those those young men's names are Andrew Leonard and, and Jake Struck. Struck has 14 goals, so he has figured prominently uh, in their offense. And the thing is, and the winner of this very well could get Berlin and Volantangi Berlin. Berlin's beat Liberty three times this year. And Liberty's the top seed in the district. So that could be an intriguing storyline come Sunday uh, in the regional semifinal uh, if it indeed gets to that matchup. Then you got uh, a team that, that I mean, if you know how the hockey goes this year, you know that Berlin um, is, is definitely in the conversation. Um, so they're going to be playing St. Charles, the three, four seed. Uh, tell us a little bit about that game. I, I was looking, our, our beat writer sent me some notes on, on Berlin. Of course, they're in their fourth season as a school. They've been in at least a regional down there, now regional quarterfinal three times in a row. And in fact, they played UA as close as anybody did last year and only lost to them two to nothing. Uh, looking at them, uh, their big, uh, big scoring guy, Carson Jankowski, played for AAA hockey his freshman year. So that's an indicator of his talent. He's been with Berlin ever since. And then uh, you have several guys, Nick Piccioni, uh, Zach Zielinski, excuse me, and uh, Brian Savage are some of the guys who have chipped in for them. And then St. Charles on the other side, uh, Berlin actually went 1-0-1 against them this year. Um, They're mostly a a defensive team. Eric Schottmer, Pat Moore are two of the big names uh, defensively for them. And they're, they're looking to the, uh, hopefully get to the state semifinals, hopefully for them for the first time in eight years. And, and they're a team that is, they've played everybody just as well as everybody has played everybody. I guess it just goes back to that parity thing. Right. And, and one, of the, one of the stats that we're going to talk about, it, it's going to jump over to the Upper Arlington-Jerome matchup, is Berlin has not lost back-to-back games since December 11th. They've gone 16-1-1 since December 11th. Mm-hmm. Upper Arlington has not lost back-to-back games all season. That's right. That's right. I mean, it, it, uh, what Coach Baird was telling me, gosh, this must have been mid-January when I talked to him and I saw him at the game a couple nights later was they have been ahead all season of where they were last year. And I remember talking to you guys right about this time last year when uh, I, I said I, I would have been shocked if it wasn't a UA Liberty district final. It was Arlington went on to state. I mean, and this is a year after they were undefeated all the way to the district semifinal and, and probably should have gone to state. So this is a team that has just been loaded all season long. Sam Burns, who figured in late last year, has almost 50 goals. Now he needs three for 50. And, and Max Robin, who, Robbins, who was their big weapon offensively last year, has 32 goals. So it's certainly I mean, there is a defined one and two with them. But they're, they're both dangerous, and they've leaned on not only their defense, but they have two underclassmen goalies who virtually split even a time evenly, uh, Brady Hagkull and uh, Preston Bernard. Both of them are coming back next year, of course, as the underclassmen designation would suggest. But uh, they're, they're still poised not only to have a good run this year, but then certainly to be able to carry this into future years. And Jerome's Pat Murphy picked up his 400th career win this season, so obviously he's been doing the right things down there with Jerome. Then you talked about this 9-12 matchup of Worthington and New Albany that is that's an interesting one and they they, uh, actually a single hand between the two of those teams ended the Cincinnati teams' run because uh, Thomas beat uh, St. X and New Albany knocked off Cincinnati Moeller yesterday Denon Grandpierre if anybody recognizes that last name it's because his dad played for the Blue Jackets many years ago Jean-Luc Grandpierre and uh, he's on Valley Sports Ohio as part of their TV crew now and he I think he had something like three goals in the regular season and he scored the game winner in overtime uh, last night to knock off Moeller. And this is an Eagles team that for the second year in a row has 14 kids 
they're 15 and 15 and they're in a district regional quarterfinal now. So this is this has been quite a run. They they have been a team that even though they have been undermanned, have not beaten themselves this year. I think they learned a lot from some of those struggles last year and they've really put it together. I, if there's a surprise team in the area, I think it's them because of the numbers and, and the fact that they've now won 15 games after last night. Do you have uh, someone that you think is going to come out of your district? I, I don't know if I should sound like a homer and say UA, but I mean, I think they've got a good, as good a chance as anybody. I, I think that they're probably better than they were last year. I'm certainly not going to say Berlin isn't going to come out. They've beaten Liberty three times this year. And I, I'm pretty sure nobody else has that designation or a distinction, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they won the, the Blue Jackets Cup, which is the Capital Hockey Conference's postseason tournament. So if there's a team that has their number, it's them. I mean, you want to see if they can beat a team four times in one season? I mean, I, it's possible. I, I would say UA and Liberty, I would not be shocked if it's a regional final, but going back to the first game of the season, Berlin hang, hung eight goals on Upper Arlington. So if it comes to that, even though that game was a long time ago, we'll see. Maybe they will have their number in another matchup. Great, great. Well, we got Chris back with us, so let's uh... – Try this again, Chris. Thanks for uh, getting back with us. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Sorry about that. Uh, hopefully, we're a little bit better this time. All right, we uh, we're talking about uh, Gilmore Solon. Uh, we talked about Gilmore a little bit. Um, not to overlook Solon, they defeated Orange six to two and Kenston six to three. Um, so for Gilmore, not to look past them, but uh, they're on the same bracket uh, as Walsh. Um, who has to play Hudson, but G, uh, Gilmore is 3-0-0 against Walsh this year, uh, but the last two games were by a 2-1 to score. So if that ends up being a matchup in the next round, that'll be a good one with two league rivals. Um, have you had a chance to see Solon play? You've probably seen I Gilmore. Have not, no. Yeah, I have not either. Um, Walsh, Jesuit, and Hudson. Um, Walsh is the defending Kent District champ, so they won for the, the first time last year with a pretty young team. So they've got some experience coming back. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, 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 could be a pretty, pretty interesting matchup. I just saw, I haven't unfortunately seen Walsh yet this year, but I saw uh, Hudson on Baron cup Sunday against Manor up to nothing lost to Manor, but the Cardinals have been playing a little better. But I could see that as being a pretty decent uh, quarterfinal over there. And, uh, whoever emerges from that, uh, certainly tricky matchup Lancers. That's how it shakes out in the summer. And then they also have, it's interesting, they have, and Sully, you had this last year, I think, too. They have three goalies that are all playing very, very well. So I don't know. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to Coach Clary how he's planning on using all three or two of the three as they progress through the tournament. But um, Tavian Parks, Brody Lurch, and Zach Furman have all played well for the Warriors. And Hudson finished first place in the red division of the greater Cleveland High School Hockey League, and they are 7-1-1 one, and one in their last nine. But that one loss, of course, as you said, coming to Mentor in the Baron Cup final. So that should be a good one. Uh, University School is playing Stowe. Um, you've obviously covered more than your share of U.S. games over the years. Um, so they are probably the, the school with the longest or one of the longest histories in that uh, region going up against uh, a fairly new team. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I heard from some folks uh, uh, before the season. Still, hopefully, uh, they can find their way into the GCHSHL here soon. Some uh, issues in that regard. Uh, 
possible to get figured out. It's not like a pretty good case uh, for that. Um, but uh, you know, U.S. Uh, I think has been the epitome of a streaky team this year, but I think they have shown capability uh, for time to time, and uh, hopefully they're able uh, uh, able to see the best of them in Canada. Evan Crawford is a very good goaltender for them, capable of that hot play that you need to succeed. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that works. And the last game, uh, Shaker Heights and Menor. Um, Shaker has not lost back-to-back games since January 7th and 8th. Um, Menor has won seven in a row, unbeaten in nine, and they are 13-1-1 since January 7th. And you saw them win their third Baron Cup in the last four years a couple weeks ago? Sure did. I, I really like the way they're playing right now. Uh, you know, the Cardinals had a lot of guys uh, graduated in the last couple of years, but they always seem to be a way to figure out it line chemistry. Brad Baxton is best uh, two-way defenseman. Ohio has that really uh, deadly shot from the perimeter of the zone. It's also very capable of back check. Steady as well. Goaltending John Rampy, a first-year that line has uh, really come on uh, throughout this year as goals against five, six. He's been very solid. Scoring punches been there. I think, uh, Paul Makito was one of the best coaches in Ohio. Last year, I'll never forget it. Brooklyn, uh, Bill Beard, my old friend, uh, U.S. days was walking by, uh, being an assistant at Walsh, and uh, Hunter was in his locker room and pointed over there, and he said, "That guy, pound for pound." As you guys know, it, it's hard to get that kind of compliment out of Bill. If Bill says that, it's absolutely true. Hunter uh, definitely gave him and. You know, Shaker, I only saw them once this year. I saw them against Gilmore. Uh, they have some size. They four-check. I think that's going to be a really good game. I'm actually going to go down there uh, for that Menor-Shaker game on Wednesday and really looking forward to it. Well, guys, I want to thank you guys for taking a, a Monday night joining us. I, I appreciate uh, we had a few, a few people jump on. Um, you know, I think this is something that, as we all continue to work to get this thing the right way. when we talk about certain flaws within our game and our sport, um, all of us seem to be all on the same page and working together, whether it's coaches, athletic directors, administrators, sports writers. And uh, um, that's, I think obviously with numbers, you, you can gain strength. So that's, that's really good. So thanks guys for joining us tonight. Um, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, check out coming on. Yeah. Check out OhioHockeyDigest.com for episodes, archives, and a list of upcoming guests. Next week, John Carroll University head coach Scott Shantry will be on the show to talk about the Blue Streaks season, their college hockey mid-am American tournament championship, and the upcoming ACHA Nationals. We are continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.